0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Latino Card. You are listening on KRBX eighty nine point nine FM, Caldwell, Boise. I'm Rebecca Delion, and my co-host JJ Saldana is not here today. He is out uh, for the holidays, visiting family in a safe covid safe way and today is also his birthday so shout out to jj happy birthday and also happy holidays uh so it's just me riding solo with a very special guest today um we have rudy soto who is fresh off of a congressional campaign uh and i'm very very happy to have you rudy thank you so much for taking the time to come on to the latino card today
1: thank you very much rebecca it's a privilege and uh I'm um, I'm excited and uh, happy birthday, JJ.
0: Yeah, happy birthday, JJ. Um, hopefully, he is getting his party on right now. Um, but it's it's always a pleasure to be able to talk to you, Rudy. Um, you're you're a very down to earth guy, and um, you know you. I was I was rooting for you. I, I had the distinct pleasure of being able to vote for you um, because I lived in the the congressional district you ran. Um, But let's back up before we get to your your run for Congress. Uh, You are from Idaho originally, yes?
1: That's right. Born and raised in Nampa, Idaho.
0: That's what's up. And um, you are half Mexican, half Native American, yes?
1: That's right. Shoshone Bannock, uh, Fort Hall, tribes uh the the shoshone bannock tribes of idaho from the fort hall reservation and mm-hmm. then uh, my dad was from michoacan mexico
0: wow that's wonderful um and you uh i mean there's there's so much to go in about that you it was you your dad your mom uh you have a sister do you have any other siblings yeah Is i it have just a bunch of siblings you have a bunch I have of a, siblings. I have six siblings
1: wow um but then two um besides myself that were we have a couple different dads uh I see. um within the family but and and two siblings uh younger uh, both with uh disabilities spina bifida so that's always um. been an important thing in my life just being being aware of of uh you know just it, it brings challenges and uh you know and so it's been a big part of my life you know
0: for sure. Um, and I think that, you know, you, you always strike me as somebody who is very humble and who has a lot of perspective. And clearly, your your background helps you maintain that perspective. And you're very much one of those people who, who always has his feet on the ground. Um, and, and your connection with the Latino community is is through your father. He was an immigrant and he was undocumented for a while, right?
1: That's right. Yeah, he came here as a farm worker. Uh, labor, worked in the fields, uh, basically everywhere throughout the Treasure Valley and even in other states, but that's what brought him Mm -hmm. here to Emmett decades and decades ago when there was a very, very small um, Hispanic, you know, Latino uh, immigrant uh, population here, and I grew up going with him. I even worked in the fields a little bit uh, with him uh, until my mom basically fought with him to make sure that I would stay in school. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I grew up, uh, you know, with the, with the, a hardworking dad that um, really impressed those values upon me.
0: Wow, that's that's awesome! I didn't know that you worked the fields yourself. Um, that's not uncommon, especially back in the day. I think they used to let them let children work the fields very very young. I think the the youngest is I believe thirteen years old now, um, but it used to be very very young, like five years old.
1: Yeah, and for me, it was when I was getting in a little bit of trouble. <laughs> uh, but yeah.
0: <laughs> well, um, you know, you have you were very open about that um, during your campaign. Is is this little troublemaker streak you had? Um, what was what was it about this streak that you had? Why why did you act this way, and why were you so open about it?
1: Yeah, you know, um, it's it's something that I think made some of the campaign managers and consultants and folks that I worked with uncomfortable (laughs) but you know I think we're living in a time and era where people just crave sincerity authenticity and so you know I figured the best way for me to be was just to be true about who I am and where I come from. And so, mm-hmm. um, growing up, uh, you know, getting in trouble is not uncommon for people who grow up in poverty. I grew up in public housing, mm-hmm. you know, the people that we looked up to in our neighborhoods were, they were, you know, presented to us as protectors of, of our, of our, you know, area. And so, you know, we almost just didn't even know better. And most of our parents were working hard, multiple jobs. So really it's the streets that raised us.
0: hmm And, uh what what kind of trouble did you get in for anyone who didn't pay attention to that part of your campaign
1: yeah that's one of my favorite questions uh, because <laughs> uh you know I, i'm far removed from all of it it feels like a lifetime ago i'm and i'm uh, hopeful about uh writing a book someday um where you know i can shine more light on all that but uh, really uh You know, I got that question a lot when I was a student body president at uh, Portland State University, first-generation college student, and I'd get to go speak to lots of students and youth from from all over, and all their hands would shoot up, and they'd be like, What did you do? Did you shoot somebody? Did you (laughs) stab somebody? How many people did you kill? And all the teachers and chaperones would look at each other, like, (laughs) who invited this guy? And so, uh, you know, I would just basically say, you know i i i i got in a lot of trouble and luckily none of it prevented me from it was all before i was 18 and none of it prevented me from obtaining a security clearance i became a military police officer and passed extensive background checks to go into government and so um only in america is that possible
0: <laughs> so how how is it then that you went from uh, a young kid, from, you know, who didn't grow up with a lot of resources, didn't grow up with the silver spoon, um, who grew up, you know, in in what was, you know, this sort of everybody's rags to riches story starts kind of like where you started. How did you go from there to um, being a, a Marine? You were you're a Marine veteran. Army. Army. Sorry. <laughs> uh, an Army veteran. And then to a, a running for Congress like what what happened what have you always had this kind of drive or what what happened
1: you know it's yeah it's that's another funny uh, question because uh, I remember telling people on the campaign trail about how um, when I left Idaho as a teen I was I took a Greyhound bus to go live with my older brother in Oregon who moved away from Idaho because things were a lot rougher than People were moving away from here, not to here, mm-hmm. and he didn't see a future for himself. And so he moved away by himself with the Salvation Army, started a new life. He was old enough to be my dad. Uh, I needed a new place to turn a new page and um, pursue my potential. So when I was getting out of juvenile detention, uh, I was able to go live with him in, in Oregon and he tells people he's like i don't know what's up with my brother he came here looking like a wannabe cholo and then (laughs) next thing you know he wants to be the mayor oh my god because it it wasn't but five years after being in you know in in oregon when i got elected uh student body president and then i ran for city council actually in in portland and and did pretty well um but uh that was in my early 20s. So.
0: And how did, how did that happen? What what made you want to run for anything? Y-
1: you know, I, I tell people it has to do with just reading too many books when I was in <laughs> juvenile detention. Uh, you know, I read the Bible a lot, you know, and that helped me, you know, become more grounded just in, you know, faith um, in forgiveness and grace. But then also you know i read amazing stories about people especially immigrants who came here with nothing from lots of hardship much more than i could ever imagine and they would become something and do incredible things and this mm-hmm. is just true all over and so it just made me think well why why not me why 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 shouldn't i be the author of my own destiny mm-hmm. and so i just you know worked hard on improving myself and have always you know, had a lot of good mentors and sought out services and programs um, that, uh, that are available to all of us. There, there's, uh, there's so much around us, even in the most rural communities, if we're resourceful about going and finding out, you know, those, those teachers, those counselors, you know, those mentors or relatives that want to help us pursue our potential.
0: And so a lot of people, um, you know, it's, it's always refreshing when somebody goes into politics and they have like a, a community minded approach. And you have very much a community minded approach where they see um, like everybody as as sort of working together to form a society and and you definitely have that so if you had you know come out of juvenile detention and you read books and you thought why not me why did you pursue sort of like a community service sort of career instead of like i'm gonna just do, do for me and and become a ceo and make lots of money not that there's anything wrong with that because we definitely need our business businessmen and women out there um, but why specifically did you choose this path
1: it would probably be uh, be it would have to do with, you know, the family background that I come from, with hardship, with, you know, my parents, uh, you know, having a hard time making ends meet with siblings with disabilities where we all kind of have to pull together and help each other out. And really what caused me to change and um, be more community driven was the guilt and shame that I felt for making life harder on my family as mm-hmm. an able-bodied you know person who you know, could be doing the opposite, making things easier, mm. uh, being helpful. And and so that reflection that I had made me uh, want to, to do better by them. And so, um, you know, it's about being a protector. And so I just think that some of those innate qualities are, you know, were brought out um, in me and just turning a negative into a positive.
0: That's wonderful. Uh, well, I, I have a a lot of more a lot of questions and i kind of want to follow your story uh leading up to to just recently but we're going to take a really quick break and we'll learn more as we get back hello and welcome back to today's episode of the latino card i'm rebecca de leon your solo host for the day if you're just tuning in uh jj saldaña my co-host is out on vacation slash partying for his birthday and we are here with rudy soto um Somebody who I greatly, greatly admire. And again, I'm just so glad that you were able to take the time to to talk to us today. Um, so we were learning a little bit about, you know, your background, where you came from. This, you know, I mean, I cannot wait for your memoir to come out. I hope it comes out soon because it sounds like it's going to be a wild ride. You had um, a lot of. Difficulties, a lot of obstacles um, in front of you as you grew up, and then you somehow took that and and you turned it into service for your community. Um, and so you you are an army veteran. And what happened uh, once you you finished your your service with the army? What did you do?
1: Yeah, so you know that that was a fun fun uh, great experience for me. I was in the Army National Guard. So, uh, you know, we joke and say I was a weekend warrior. So, one (laughs) weekend a month, two weeks a year. I am a big uh, proponent and supporter of military service, especially for folks that come from, um, you know, low and and middle income backgrounds like mine. It's a way to uh, climb out of poverty, Um, you know, whether it has to do with obtaining a VA home loan. I'm not here to promote you know, the military, <laughs> but I'm just saying for especially for people of color, yeah. you know, it's really it's really a great great way to go. Yeah. And um, yeah, I served in a uh, field artillery for the first half of my nine and a half years and then the other half is military police. I got to do a lot of cool things. Um, you know, I was I didn't get deployed, uh, and I helped with the Pope uh, uh, providing security for the Pope when he came to the United States in Washington DC I even helped with Donald Trump's inauguration which was the longest 48 hours in my life because you know we we were working hard uh for to to as part of that mission but then the women's march was like Way bigger than inauguration in terms Mm -hmm. of people. And so we had to carry right into that. Uh, I went to, I was deployed to the US Mexico border. Uh, which was interesting during the Obama administration. And being a a native person who was here before there were borders and the son of an undocumented immigrant, it was a very fascinating experience. And I learned a lot because most of the people, uh, many of the people that work for Border Patrol in that region are Latino, Hispanic, and their families were there before there was a border. So... Um, I really enjoyed uh, my time in the military and, and, uh, there was, yeah, a lot of cool things I got to see and do.
0: You have, you have so many perspectives. It's really, it's really fascinating. Uh, and it seems like not only do you observe what's happening around you, but you really hold it close. Um, and so you, you were, okay. So you were in (laughs) DC for what was it? Seven years.
1: Yeah. About seven years.
0: And what were you doing in DC?
1: I did a bunch of different things. On average, I ha- usually I'm at a job for a couple years. And so um, just a, a big proponent of change um, as a way of personal and professional growth. But uh, I was a staffer, a congressional staffer. I was a policy analyst uh, in the field of public health. I was a legislative director uh, for the National Indian Gaming Association. So for the all the tribes across the country that have casinos. I was one of their main political point persons.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, what, okay. It sounds like, um, public health is very important to you. It seems to be like a common thing that comes up a lot. Why is that so important to you?
1: Yeah, that's a huge passion of mine because of my dad's story. Uh, well, also, growing up with my siblings that have disabilities, knowing that you know my family qualified for things like Medicare and Medicaid because of siblings, um, children's health insurance. Uh, these were things that were always on my uh, on the periphery. Mm-hmm. And then um, a Social Security disability. You know, the, some of these programs were essential for for us to just get by. And so. You know, I always just kind of knew about that um, in the background, in the back of my mind. Uh, But then in 2014, my dad passed away. Um, He was laid off of... His factory job at Simplot, along with many others, because of automation and downsizing, mm-hmm. got sick. Uh, lost, had lost his health insurance. Couldn't get treatment in time and passed away. That was very very hard. And I turned that pain into purpose and went and worked on getting more people enrolled in the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare. Uh, during that time, shortly thereafter, as a way to, you know, deal with my own healing, and um, and then. Uh, you know, so so that's been important to me because because of, you know, those inequities. And if mm-hmm. Idaho had passed Medicaid expansion d- during that time, uh, things could have been different. And he could have and should have died with more of a sense of dignity as mm-hmm. uh, as anyone and everyone deserves. And so I was very inspired by Medicaid uh, expansion's passage here, by um, Reclaim Idaho's initiative, and all those that helped make that possible. And that's a big part of what inspired me to run for Congress wow. here.
0: That's incredible. So you, you left DC, you came back. Why did you start with a run for Congress? I think most people are like, okay, you start with like a school board position and then you go up to city council and then, you, and then eventually you go to Congress, but you came and you hit the ground running with a congressional run. Why did you start at the top like that?
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny you ask because a lot of the local politicians people that you know are highly regarded and respected you know by even by me they, i sensed a lot of negative vibes from people oh. because of running for that position you know people were like you know why aren't you running for school board or, but you know i had been working in congress for you know the better part of a decade pretty much and with the federal government and i've been mm-hmm. working in politics uh, for 15-16 years full speed so I'm no stranger to politics I I worked uh, I helped with campaigns people like Congresswoman Deb Holland, the first Native American wow. Congresswoman, who's now right. named as a incoming uh, Secretary of the Interior. You know, I so I got to be around a lot of politicians and more or less kind of got mentored by the Congresswoman that I worked for. I learned sure. uh, from being you know by her side, and so uh, I felt ready. and And there wasn't anyone running for the position. Uh, we hadn't had a competitive cycle for. For a few um, elections here, and I thought that we needed to try and contest it, especially if there was yeah. going to be a blue wave. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. it ended up being more like a red wave here, for yeah. Sure, here did. Um, but uh, you know, I was eager to make sure that people had an option here, a viable alternative, and so it was—it was a privilege and opportunity of a lifetime.
0: Wow, that's that's fascinating, and so. You know, one of the questions that I'd had when, I, when I'd when i heard that you announced your candidacy uh, was, oh, my gosh, you know, what? why is Rudy running against Russ Fulcher? It's very difficult, especially when you're talking about a senator or a, a congressperson in the House of Representatives. It's very difficult to win here in Idaho if you're not a rich, old white guy with an R next to his name. You know, why did you take on such a huge challenge?
1: I mean, come on now. I'm a veteran. Like I was in the (laughs) army. Like we're all about doing things that are that are hard, that are challenging. Um, You know, so for me, uh, and I'm you know maybe it's also part of my Native American heritage. I'm a warrior. You know, we're fearless. So it's just about not not being intimidated, not being afraid. And people really need uh, strong voices and leadership. And sometimes, you know, we can. Feel, that, feel overwhelmed, but you, know, you don't win if you don't try. And more often than not, a lot of good can come out of the effort um, just by inspiring other people that might be able to break through um, if they step up and have the courage to try.
0: I love it. And I would be a straight up liar if I were to say that your run for Congress didn't amount to anything because it has been extremely inspirational. And I would love to get into that a little bit more, but we're gonna take a really quick break and then we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Latino Card. I'm Rebecca DeLeon and I'm sitting here with Rudy Soto. Uh, And we were just getting into you running for Congress, which is uh, incredible, especially, so this is is Idaho. You're very familiar with Idaho. You're from Idaho, you know uh, how Idahoans vote. Uh, you know, so it was definitely something brave that you were doing. Um, But I remember talking to you when you had first announced your candidacy. And, and I mean, there was just something magical about your candidacy that made me really believe, uh, really believe in you really believe in your your campaign. It was very, um, it was very much like in the same way that I was inspired by Barack Obama's like, yes, we can. It made me feel like Idaho was this, Um, idealistic place where you know people like myself could could have representation finally and and that we all played a part in creating the society in Idaho Uh, and that was not something that I got from any other campaign um, especially in Idaho why why was your campaign so special in that way what what made you different
1: you know, I, I would say it was it was very genuine. It was very grassroots. I had good people behind me, you know, from from here. Um, you know, people like, you know, Melanie Falwell, Jennifer Martinez. They, I had different iterations of, of, of campaign staff and support, but they were all good people that helped me as best they could uh, during that time. And so... Um, you know i had lived away for for a long time but you know you you never forget where you come from and i just know that uh even though the numbers didn't show uh that we had uh support um that can that could break down some of the political division i think that uh there are a lot of people that uh would have liked to vote or support me but the Democratic brand just doesn't work for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt it. I, w- I mean, I went on a 19-county, every-county tour throughout the state. It was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. It was like a dream come true because, wow. you know, I had over a couple thousand contributors, mostly small contributors, and I've learned that over 75% of those were first-time political don't like it was the first time they ever donated to a campaign wow so it was really amazing and that helped us buy an rv and you know f- pay whole staffs and you know Wonderful. put paid ads up and on television and across all these services it was really an incredible experience but there were times when i'd meet people uh who you know couldn't look me in the eye just because i'm a democrat even though they liked me they liked that i'm a veteran they like my story but the just the national polarized politics mm-hmm. that we're going through are so toxic, and it's yeah. it's unfortunate for all of us
0: it is it is very unfortunate because you you were a fantastic candidate and you were you were everywhere you were. Uh, I saw you everywhere and i just was like does he have more days or more hours in the day than the rest of us how does he all over the place and yet you ran this this wonderful campaign i was very inspired by it um you know but you didn't win the the seat the congressional seat um you know so how how do you feel about that and and where are you now with it
1: Yeah, you know, I am, again, just, it's been, it was the privilege uh, of of a lifetime. I met so many amazing people. I feel very good about what we did. Uh, I believe that if it were a different time or a different cycle, we might see different numbers. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, just in terms of being in a stage of reflection, I just... You know, I have nothing but gratitude for everybody that That supported me um, for the organizations. We got a lot of support from uh, elected officials at the local level, state community leaders. Um, But, you know, I hadn't been living here for a long time. So there's a lot more work that can be done. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking forward to continuing those relationships, building on those relationships, and figuring out how I can be supportive of other people and what their goals, interests, and initiatives are. Um, and so we'll see how that can play out.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, that's leads into a question I've been dying to ask you is what's next? What are you going to do now? I mean, you already uh, what, uh, what can you do to top running for Congress?
1: Yeah. So, you know, that's the million dollar question uh, for me, (laughs) especially when it comes to figuring out how to, you know, make a, earn a paycheck, uh, here, uh, soon. So, I'm in the process of figuring out what's next, employment-wise, but mm-hmm. without a doubt, I'm going to be working on addressing healthcare inequities. Mm. Um, I'm going to be involved in advocating for environmental stewardship, for bipartisanship—the same things that you know I put at the forefront of my campaign are sure. paramount to me. And so, regardless of where I am, uh, I'm going to be working on those things. And I really don't believe that you know, you need a title to be a leader. So I, I definitely think there's going to be ways for me to, to play a part and, um, you know, hopefully be a voice for people that, you know, don't really get a seat at the table as much.
0: I love that. I love to hear it. And, you know, have you been able to take a breather? or Have you been able to slow down? I mean, you were go, go, go. And you even had a, a tragedy during your, during your campaign. And you, you were still going you were still plugging away um,
1: yeah that w- that was really hard you my sister passed uh, within just the final couple months of the campaign that was extremely difficult it still is difficult so my heart goes out to everybody who's been impacted by loss of a loved one um and tragedy during this year it's been the darkest uh, in our lifetime and hopefully it will never ever be as hard as this (laughs) um and so um i have been able to take a break and uh you know i watch a lot of tv i was joking with you before this about watching 90 day fiance with my (laughs) girlfriend and telling her i was uncomfortable because some of the guys that are the, the women are dating maybe weren't didn't have a job and i'd be like hey this is awkward right now but uh you know thankfully uh i'm looking forward to getting back to work as soon as possible
0: well, that's wonderful. Um, unfortunately, I think we've, we've run out of time for today, but um, you have a fascinating story, Rudy, and I cannot wait to see where you go from here. Whatever it is you end up doing, I know that you are going to affect even more change. I think that your um, your story and your your run has been um, very inspirational to more people than just myself. So I, I really thank you, and I'm looking forward to, to what you do next. I think it'll be great.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: All right. Well, um, thank you so much for listening, uh, and we will see you all next time.